You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Now here's Doug Robbins. So today we celebrate that Jesus has risen again from the dead. And those of us that follow Christ believe that he not only rose from the dead, but in addition to that, uh, he ascended into heaven. Then he sent his Holy Spirit to indwell his followers, right? And so the question is, how is it that his followers should communicate to the world around us that he is risen and that he is alive? Now, perhaps some of you have seen on television or maybe on the internet, the Westboro Baptist Church, and they communicate uh, their message by what they're against, right, and who they hate and uh, what they don't like rather than what they're for. Or perhaps when you walk down a downtown street, you've seen a bullhorn preacher who communicates what he's against and what he doesn't like rather than what he's for. Now, we shouldn't just look into the world of religion at this, but also it's in politics. There are certain politicians that are always talking about who they don't like or what they're against rather than what their real platform or what they're for. There's also news media that talks about what they're against rather than what they're for. And we're all tired of those people on our social media feeds who are constantly talking about what they don't like, who they're against rather than what they're for. And they're creating these algorithms of hate all throughout the internet. But here's what I was thinking. How about we get in touch with what we're for rather than what we're against? How about we create a beautiful picture of what the future could be? So let me ask you this question today. What is it that you're for? Have you gotten in touch with what you're really for and what you want your life message to be. And since it's not only Easter, but it's also the final four, I figured we could look into the Bible today and see four things that God is for, and that can shape our thinking and our hearts to know what we can be for as well. So look at number one. First, God is for cities. He's for cities. He's for San Antonio, our city. Certainly we have guests who are coming from out of town as well, and he's for your cities too. Uh, Not as much as he's for San Antonio, but uh, he's for our city. In fact, Jesus, check this out. Before Jesus would walk the Via Dolorosa, die on the cross for our sins and rise again from the dead, he actually prayed over and cried over his city that he loved, Jerusalem. He loved his city. And when he rose again from the dead, he went and gave encouragement to the Apostle Paul, who was worried about the urban realities in the city where he was living, Corinth. Paul was worried that people were going to take him out. And look how Jesus comes to him and encourages him. Look at uh, Acts chapter 18, verse 9. It says, One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you. And no one is going to attack or harm you because I have many people in this what? City. And if you did one of those Bible study uh, things on the internet where you do a word search for city, you will get an earful uh, from God about how much he loves cities. And in this text, we see that Paul is being protected by God in an urban context. And this was encouraging to me one night when I was walking the streets of our city. I was walking the streets with my friend Jim Gibson, who runs Strong Foundation Ministries for Homeless Families here on the inner city east side. And Jim and I were walking down the streets doing these video interviews of people. And we were walking down Houston 
to Hackberry. Now, that was back before the east side turned hipster, so we called it uh, Crackberry back in those days for obvious reasons. And when we're walking down this street, we encounter this dude on the corner there. His name was Shorty. And let's just say Shorty was a kind of a pharmaceutical salesperson, if you will. And Shorty did not like us videotaping people on his corner and coming up on his corner, and he let us know about it, you know. In fact, he had a wingman with him, and his wingman was kind of like a yes man. So anything Shorty would say, his wingman would go, yeah, that's right, yeah. So uh, Shorty gets up in our face, and he's like, you better get your camera and your blankety-blank off my corner here. And his boy's all, yeah. And then so Jim, my friend Jim, is like a tall dude. He's like six seven, and he's towering over Shorty, right? And Shorty has that name for a reason, you know? And so Jim is towering over him, and I think it is about to go down with me, you know? Uh, uh, and so anyway, Shorty uh, feels threatened because this tall dude's over him, and he goes, I'm going to kick your blankety-blank, blank. You know, I can't say these words in church, and he's like, I'm going to kick your blankety-blank, and his boy's all, yeah. And then Jim's tired, I will not back down. He's like, I'm going to kick you. Yeah, all this is going on. I got to calm things down. And so I had this idea in the moment. And the idea was, hey, Shorty, how about you guys come back over to Strong Foundation Ministries with us and we'll serve you dinner. And he went from this pose ready to throw down to, you know, I think I'd like that. Let's do that. His boys all, yeah. (laughs) So we went and we had dinner that night. And I'll never forget after that, Jim was explaining to me after that experience that Shorty would actually escort the women who were staying there in the shelter from their bus bus stop over to the ministry because he didn't want to have to worry about the violence on the streets, see? And you know, could it be that one of the reasons that Shorty was dealing drugs on that corner is because he didn't have other job opportunities? And so if we're going to be for San Antonio... Don't we have to be for businesses to thrive in our city and create more options for people? I get that we all are responsible for our own actions and we make our choices, but it's harder to make good choices when we have less good choices before us, isn't it? And so if we're going to be for our cities, let's be for local businesses to thrive so that it can create jobs for people all around us, even if we disagree with the spirituality or the philosophy of life and the people that own those businesses and start those businesses. So even if people start businesses who are atheists, don't even believe in God, we can be for them in their business to be successful for the sake of our city. Even if people are Muslims, we can be for their business to thrive. Even if Someone starts a business and it's like one of those guys who wears like socks with his sandals, you know? I'm philosophically against this, but we can be for that guy to be successful. Even, this is a hard one for me, I've really had to search my heart on this one, even if it's one of those guys that wears those man rompers, have you seen these things? We, we are for this guy, even though I'm tempted to judge him, uh, we are for this guy and his business to be successful because we're for San Antonio. So in order to uh, promote local business here, how about we use the hashtag for San Antonio? And here's the challenge I want to give to you. When you go to good businesses in our city, post pictures of people in those businesses or 
post pictures of those businesses with the hashtag for San Antonio. It's not about promoting our church. It's about promoting businesses to be successful. In fact, uh, Ernie Johnson from TNT was at our last service, and Ernie bought the Cameo t-shirt and all of that, and he said, you guys, every, every one of you who took a picture with me, make sure and hashtag for San Antonio. So it's Ernie's challenge to City Church downtown to make sure and hashtag for San Antonio so that we can see our businesses in our inner city community thrive. But this leads to the second thing that I believe God is for today, and it's this. God is for the poor. We're for San Antonio if we're for the poor. Now, I could read to you a myriad of verses from the Bible about God being for the poor, but for the sake of time, I'm just going to read to you one. Look at Proverbs 31, verse 9. It says, yes, speak up for the who? Poor and helpless and see that they get justice. And this year, you guys have been stepping up to provide the four most needed supplies for the homeless in our local community uh, that live all around our theater here. Uh, You guys have been bringing bags and boxes here for our trailer to give to CAM, Christian Assistance Ministries. And so uh, not only do I want to thank you for your generosity in that, but Sarah Corey of Christian's Assistance Ministry wanted to thank you by way of video, so just uh, excuse the poor quality phone video. I just took this uh, on my phone, Uh, so go ahead and take a look at Sarah. Hey, everybody. My name is Sarah Corey. I am the Director of Development for Christian Assistance Ministry, and I just wanted to thank City Church Downtown for hosting the For San Antonio uh, donation drive, basically the four most needed donated items for CAM, which are men's jeans, women's bras, men's underwear, and men's shoes. This is a huge blessing, and I just really, from the bottom of my heart, want to thank you guys so much for doing this for us. I know our clients are going to be over the moon excited, so thank you guys so much. She was so happy for you guys to to give those items. And, you know, there's no better way for us to say that Jesus is really alive than when we bring supplies for the homeless that live uh, among us here in the heart of this city. And we know that one of the main reasons for homelessness in our inner city is because of mental illness. That's why starting next Sunday and throughout the entire month of April, we're going to make it mental health month here at City Church downtown. So if you or a friend or family member struggles with depression, anxiety, panic attacks, bipolar, stress, or any type of phobia, I want you to make sure and make it back for the rest of this month for mental health month. And we're going to look into the scriptures and see what it says about depression and anxieties and all sorts of problems that we deal with, because the church should be a place of healing for those of us that are struggling with these types of issues. We don't shame people who have cancer, do we? Nor should we shame people or stigmify people who have a mental kind of illness, but we need to be a light in the darkness for people who are struggling for hope. And some of you, God wants you to come not just to deal with your stuff. I mean, some of you would say, Doug, I feel fine, but you need to come to get equipped Because God doesn't want to just use pastors and counselors and stuff. God wants to use his people to be healing agents in your companies and in your schools and in your uh, communities and neighborhoods and even your own homes. So the early Christians were clearly for the people in their communities. And I uh, ran across a little letter to Diognetes uh, from AD 130 that I thought gave a really great description of the early Christians. He says... As citizens, 
They share in all things with others and yet endure all things as if foreigners. They have a common table, but not a common bed. They love all men and are persecuted by all. They are poor, yet make many rich. They are reviled and blessed. They are insulted and repay the insult with honor. They do good, yet are punished as evildoers. Those who hate them are unable to assign any reason for their hatred. To sum it up in one word, what the soul is to the body, that are Christians in the world. And isn't that a good description of what we should all aspire to be as we follow Christ, is that we're like the soul for our city. And you know one of the reasons we're motivated to be the soul for our city is because we know that something really happened on Easter. That's why I want to show you number three, God is for evidence. He's for evidence because he knew that we couldn't just believe something audacious like that someone rose again from the dead without some form of evidence. That's why I want to take you to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, look at verses 4 through 7. Paul says, for he was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said, he was seen by Peter and then by the 12. And after that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James, which by the way, James was his brother, and later by all the apostles. So I want you to lodge that in the back of your mind just for a minute, right? That he was seen by all these different groups of people. But I want to focus in on the last person there for just a minute that he was seen by, by James, his brother. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you have brothers? Just raise your hand real quick. Brothers. Okay, good. What would it take for your brother to convince you that he's the son of God? Okay. Some of you are smiling because it's like, yeah, my brother thinks he's the son of God, you know? Yo. <laughs> James believed that his brother Jesus was the Messiah. And the only explanation for that could be that his brother rose again from the dead to convince him. Look, if your brother can rise again from the dead, you know he's legit. <laughs> you know he's something special. But you know, one of the most uh, common objections to the event of the resurrection that is kind of at a popular level an objection is uh, because the documents that write about the resurrection were written uh, some 20 years after the events of Jesus' crucifixion and his resurrection took place. So uh, most scholars would agree that the Apostle Paul was a historic person and that he wrote these letters that made a huge impact on Christianity in the, in the Roman Empire. And so what they would say is, is that Paul lived somewhere around 50 A.D. He wrote these things down somewhere around 50, 60 A.D. Some would say earlier than 50 A.D. And then those same scholars would agree that Jesus' death and supposed resurrection happened somewhere around 30 to maybe 33 A.D. So you can see a 20-year time gap there. And people would say, well, uh, that's a problem for me because it could be that in that 20-year time gap that uh, Paul didn't remember all the details appropriately to write them down in the little letters that we have in our New Testament of our Bibles today. But that begs the question, can you and I remember stuff from 20 years ago? And I believe that we can. And I want to illustrate that with a little game. And the game is called Name That Tune, okay? So... 
in order to play Name That Tune, we're gonna play some songs over the speakers, and then I want you to raise your hand if you can name the tune out loud, okay? And uh, Hope, since you're sitting down there, could you be my, uh, my assistant today? And I've got some candy here in a little cup. You can have some Easter candy, and Hope will bring it to you if you can name that tune uh, for us today, okay? So, Margo, go ahead and play the first song. All the while, it's something unpredictable, but in the end is right. Yes, ma'am, right here. That is right. That is Green Day. Good riddance. Time of your life. And this is going to make you guys feel old because Good Riddance was performed in 1998. That was 20 years ago. Okay, that makes me feel old because back when that song came out, you know, I was trying to rock the earrings. Now I'm getting closer to rocking the miracle ears, okay? So uh, I, th- that was 20 years ago making us feel old. Uh, Margo, let's try the next song. Yes, ma'am, right down here. Yeah, Waterfalls by what's the name of the band? TLC, she says. Give them both candy, Hope. Okay, good. So Waterfalls, that was 1994, 24 years ago. We remember that one. Let's go with another one. Go ahead, Margo. VIP. Okay, why is it that the people in the front row know all these things? Yes, ma'am. Vanilla Ice. That's right. And you got to remember, that was in 1990, 28 years ago. And right after that hit, his career cooled down like Ice Ice Baby uh, cooled right down. Uh, We having fun yet? Let's try one more uh, to remind us. Can't touch this. This. Get this gentleman over here. Can't touch this. That's right. MC Hammer, can't touch this. And you got to remember, that was from 28 years ago in 1990. Can't touch this. That guy was too legit to quit. Would you guys give it up for my assistant, Hope? Thank you, Hope. So, so... The reason we did that silly little exercise, not only because I was dying to crab walk across the stage in one of my sermons, but also because of this. If you and I can remember Ice Ice Baby from 28 years ago, what makes us think that the Apostle Paul, who was one of the foremost intelligent men of his day, could not remember the details about a man who was able to rise again from the dead? Right on? Then there was a medical doctor, Luke, who wrote a detailed description of the events of Jesus' life, his death, and his resurrection. What's the explanation for this? His brother is willing to die for him. The majority of the apostles who followed him were willing to die for a man. Would they die for a hoax? No, the only explanation for me is that Jesus really did die and rise again from the dead. And the reason he did it was for number four. He wanted to show us that God is for you. 
God is for San Antonio, certainly. He's for all the cities represented in this room today, and he's for the individual people within those cities. The most well-known verse in the Bible starts out with the word for. Look at John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And this theme continues in the Bible that God is for us. Look in Romans at chapter 8, verse 31. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is what? For us. Who can ever be against us? And look, God lovingly works the circumstances of our lives so that we can come to him and have love relationship with him and meet him. Some of you were invited by a friend. Some of you were guilted by your mom to come to church today. Some of you just agreed because your girlfriend's hot enough and she drug you here and she promised fajitas and margaritas after the service or whatever. I don't know what, but God lovingly can work all the circumstances of our lives to draw us to himself. And look, he knows your every hurt and pain. He knows your every guilt and shame and sin that you've ever committed, but yet he is still for you, see? And people all across our city and in our church are getting this message that God is for them. I only have time to highlight three of those story, stories today. One is of Tekoa. She was arrested on the inner city west side for drug possession and a Christian police officer explained to her that God is for her. And when she got out of county, she came to church, was baptized here, and her life has been radically changed. And now Tekoa is serving homeless women at Strong Foundation. See, right on? Yeah. And then there's David Perez, who was in the Mexican mafia. And he thought the only way out of the Mexican mafia was in a body bag. And he's right, but he found out that God was for him. And God has a way of getting you out of stuff when it's not humanly possible. And David was able to get out. And now he's a regular worshiper here at City Church downtown. Yeah. And then there's Dennis Maples, who spent many a night sleeping under bridges and on the streets of San Antonio but now he has a place to stay and he learned that God is for him. And even though he thought at one time in his life, he'd believed the lie that nobody cares about you, Dennis. But he found out God was for him. And now Dennis is one of the most faithful volunteers at our church. Yeah. And no doubt, those of you that are regulars have been greeted by Dennis at one time or another. You know, as I was thinking about this message, I was also trying to think ahead to our mental health series. And I was reminded of the truth that therapists have to go to therapy. You know, people who are counselors have to go to a counselor themselves. And the reason for that is because when you hear that much trauma, you hear about people's abuse and uh, people confess their worst sins to you all day, every day, um, it can weigh heavy on you. And so you have to go to someone to help lift part of that burden, help you process and work through it. And when I was thinking about that, I was also thinking about Jesus and what he did for us because we tend to focus in on the physical parts of the crucifixion, how painful it was physically that Jesus would die there and that he would have the nails through his hands and through his feet and, you know, the crown of thorns and the blood and gore and all that. And certainly that was excruciatingly painful. But what I tend to not think about as much as the emotional, spiritual, and psychological pain that Jesus endured on the cross. 
because when he was there, think about it. All of my sins, your sins, guilt, shame, pain, came upon Jesus spiritually on the cross. You know, if one of us, if we just picked one person, if we all voted on one person in this room, to have all the guilt and shame and post-traumatic stress and painful experiences of everyone in this room to come upon them at one time, it would probably put you in therapy for the rest of your life if you could even function. Yet Jesus endured all the guilt, pain, shame, stress, trauma of all his kids throughout all of human history. Why was he willing to endure all that? Because he's for you. He wanted to communicate the truth that he is for you. So because of this, I was inspired to write this poem called He Is For You. And it goes something like this. Jesus died for you. He cried for you. He did not hide from those who chose to take his life, his innocent life, his miraculous life, his life for yours. It was no chore for him to rise up and drink the cup of suffering. He's covering you with his blood. His spirit comes in like a flood of grace. And he gets up in your space. So look into his face and you will see his heart for you and me. It's all about eternity, see? Doesn't matter whether you live under a bridge or have plenty in your fridge. Doesn't matter if you go to Alamo Heights or Bracken Ridge. Doesn't matter if you're black, brown, red, or a dad bod hunky like me. <laughs> He's for you, you see. And His grace is absolutely free. To those who believe, just receive. Quit trying to achieve through your good works. Just admit to Him you got your quirks. Some of you are for Donald Trump, others Bernie Sanders. Some Billy Graham, Ned Flanders. <laughs> so whether you're one who steals or slanders, he's got you in his view. And he rose again to show your whole crew that God is for you. He is for you. Thank you. And Jesus, we thank you from the bottom of our hearts for being the champion who created a way for us to come into love relationship with God the Father. And as we bow our heads before the loving King of the universe, I want to ask some of you to do something very brave right now. If you'd like to know for certain that when you die, you're going to spend an eternity in heaven with God. If you'd like to know for certain that you have a relationship with God, I want to ask you to just raise your hand up with every head bowed and every eye closed. Just raise your hand just before you and God. Raise it up. Get it up. And I want you to pray something out loud. And I want all of us to pray it out loud together to encourage those that are raising their hands now. Just say this. God, I know I've sinned. I choose to believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sin and rose from the grave. I welcome you into my life. Thank you for coming in. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.